PTJ is the bottom line. The bottom line is a translation of study findings for application to clinical practice. It is not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the research article. The following bottom line was written by Dr. Katherine Lang and summarizes the article titled Modified Constraint-Induced Therapy in Chronic Stroke Results of a Single-Blinded Randomized Controlled Trial by Page S.J., Levine P., Leonard A., et al., Volume 88, March 2008. These authors asked the question of whether a modified form of constraint-induced therapy leads to better outcomes than either dose-matched traditional therapy or no therapy at all for people with chronic stroke. This is an important question because it is not feasible for many clinics at this time to provide or be reimbursed for the more intensive constraint-induced therapy that has been shown to be effective in some people during some time periods after stroke. The modified constraint-induced therapy consisted of half-hour sessions three days per week over a 10-week period, whereas the more intensive modified constraint-induced therapy consisted of six hours per day over a 14-day period. In this study, 35 people with chronic hemiparesis after stroke participated. Subjects had to have some ability to actively extend the affected wrist and fingers and had to report limited use of the affected upper extremity. What new information does this study offer? People treated with modified constraint-induced therapy had better outcomes than people treated with traditional therapy and people who were given no therapy at all. Improved outcomes were found at the participation level as measured by the motor activity log and at the activity level as measured by the action research arm test. The participation level and the activity level are the two levels that are most likely to be of importance to people with hemiparesis after stroke. This was a phase two single-blinded randomized controlled trial. Subjects were randomly assigned to one of three groups for 10 weeks, modified constraint-induced therapy, traditional therapy, or no therapy. The primary trial endpoint was the change in motor activity log at the end of the 10-week intervention. Secondary endpoints were the action research arm test and the Fugelmeyer assessment of motor recovery after stroke. How might these results be applied to physical therapist practice? These results provide early evidence that modified constraint-induced therapy is worth trying for patients who are similar to the ones studied here. For specifics, see the inclusion-exclusion criteria in the methods section of the article. The amount of change in the modified constraint-induced therapy group is large enough that it likely reflects a clinically meaningful change. In previous publications by these same authors, the modified constraint-induced therapy treatment has been sufficiently described such that therapists can replicate this intervention in their own clinics. Limitations. As discussed by the authors, the main limitation is that no follow-up data are provided. A future phase three trial is warranted to test the efficacy of modified constraint-induced therapy and to evaluate whether its beneficial effects persist over time. It would be useful to design the phase three trial to include periodic evaluations with the outcome measures. This would allow the research team to determine the appropriate duration of the modified constraint-induced therapy intervention.